You're listening to the Sheep Spot Podcast, a show for hand spinners about making yarns we love. Hello there, Sheep Spotters. Welcome to episode 27 of the Sheep Spot Podcast. I'm Sasha from Sheepspot.com, where we offer diverse hand-dyed wools and the information and support you need to make beautiful yarns. So, guys, by the time you hear this episode, it will be June already. How did that happen? Anyway, here in Sheepspot land, this time of year means that the Fiber Club is opening soon, and that means that I'm starting to think about the wools I want to send out to the club members and the sheep that grow those wools, and that always prompts me to reflect on why I do what I do, why Sheepspot is the kind of thing that it is and generally on how I got here. So I thought I would tell you a story about that today. Before I dive in, though, I have a little follow-up from last week's episode, which has borne some wonderful and unexpected fruit. I had a lot, uh, really a lot, of apprehension about that episode because... I don't really want the podcast to be about me exactly. I'm fine with it being about Sheep Spot sometimes, but I really want it to be about you and your spinning and how I can help you make the yarns you really want to make. But I decided a long time ago to be pretty public about my depression because mental illness is still stigmatized and because... I work with a lot of young people in my day job, and uh, many of them are having their own struggles with depression and anxiety. And I think it's kind of useful for them to see that there are grownups who have been dealing with this and who have managed to put together pretty good lives for themselves. And just generally, because there might be something in my experience that could help somebody else. So... So anyway, I talk about my depression, um, but I don't really like talking about myself. Uh, it's, it's, I'm not comfortable with it, and it's not really something I enjoy. All that said, though, I have also read my Brene Brown, and I believe her when she says that and I am quoting, because true belonging only happens when we present our authentic, imperfect selves to the world, our sense of belonging can never be greater than our level of self-acceptance. End quote. And that, quote, we cultivate love when we allow our most vulnerable and powerful selves to be deeply seen and known and when we honor the spiritual connection that grows from that offering with trust, respect, kindness, and affection. I think she's really right about those things. So showing up and being seen, and especially being seen as deeply flawed, um, is something that I'm committed to working on. So I want to tell you about 
a couple of the responses that I've gotten to last week's episode. Elizabeth shared with me on Facebook that listening to the podcast had inspired her to, quote, pause the podcast and my spinning and go have some lunch, (laughs) end quote, uh, which improved her day. And so I read that this morning and it made me happy uh, because, you know, I try to be useful in the world. And also I read read it, it wasn't this morning, it was actually around two o'clock this afternoon, And I realized that I was myself at that very moment failing lunch and that I needed to go eat something, which I did. And that improved my day. So Elizabeth and I are in like a circuit of, um, you know, mealtime self-care. I remind her to eat lunch. She reminds me to eat lunch. I hope I'm reminding her right now to eat lunch. You get it. Okay. Also, as you know, I was vending at the Prince Edward County Fiber Fest this weekend. If you live anywhere near Prince Edward County, it's a really nice show, and I recommend it. Um, And so while I was there, this amazing thing happened. Um, So Matthew and I were sitting in the booth on Saturday morning, and things were really slow. Different shows have really different rhythms to them. Um, some of the shows I do, you know, there are people lined up, you know, they, the doors open at nine or nine 30 and there are people lined up at eight o'clock. Um, so there's a big rush at the beginning. This show was not like that at all. So the morning was really, really slow and. So I'm in the booth and I'm starting to panic about the fact that we've, oh, that would, that would be Zora, um, that we've driven for four hours to get there and I've paid to rent the trailer and, you know, and I'm not selling anything and, oh my God, am I going to lose money and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I'm just, my head is spinning. I'm telling myself all sorts of stories Um, and the next thing I know, there are these two extremely adorable gentlemen in my booth and they are bringing me lilacs. They turned out to be Christopher Walker, also known as Cabin Boy Knits. Um, and Cabin Boy Knits was one of the sponsors of the festival. Uh, and so Christopher and his partner whose name I was frankly a little too gobsmacked to catch. And I apologize for that. Um, You know, there they were with the lilacs and Christopher told me that he had heard the podcast and he knew I was coming and he knew I loved lilacs. And so he brought me some and not only did he bring me lilacs, he brought me three different kinds of lilacs in three different colors And I just really, I hope you're listening, Christopher, that was not lost on me. They all smelled absolutely divine. They perfumed the entire booth and they made me incredibly happy. Uh, And they seemed to have a magical effect on my sales because we ended up having a very good day. So apparently showing up and being seen has its rewards. 
Okay, so now onto that story I promised you. This is the story of how Sheepspot was born. Uh, it's not a very direct story, but uh, this is th- this is the origin point. So, one Friday in November two thousand and ten, I dr- got in my car and I drove three hours from my home in southwestern Ontario to Howell, Michigan. And Howell, Michigan is the home of uh, spinning teacher Beth Smith and was then the home of her shop, the Spinning Loft, which she sold a few years ago and which now lives somewhere, I believe, in Maryland. But it was in Michigan then, and it was a drivable distance. And Beth had amazing teachers come to her shop and teach. And uh, so I was, you know, going there for any class that I could find. Basically, I was a very new spinner. I was very obsessed with spinning. And I just took every class I could because I was gobbling up spinning knowledge wherever I could find it. So on this particular Friday, I was headed to Howell, Michigan to take a class on spinning rare wools with someone named Deborah Robeson. And at the time, I had never heard of her. This was before the Fleece and Fiber source book that she co-wrote with Carol Acarius was published. And I think it was before the book was even finished. And now, of course, you know, it's a must-have in every spinner's library. But I was new to spinning. I didn't know anything about anything. So um, I didn't really have expectations about the class. I had no particular interest in rare wools at the time. I was just, as I said, you know, taking any class that appeared before me. So um, meeting Deb and taking that class changed my life. And it really was the beginning of Sheepspot. I had really no knowledge about these wools. And I spun wools that weekend that I had never heard of that I knew nothing about. And I surprised myself by loving almost all of them. And so we did, um, we did several breeds in each kind of, you know, big wool type. So we did, um, some long wools. We did some down breeds. We did some fine wools. And we did some primitive and double-coated wools. I have a lot of cats on my lap right now. Just, you know, in case you're hearing little cat noises. And I really just loved them all, which was a huge surprise to me. I really didn't think I was, you know... I really didn't think I was going to like them that much. Um, And I think the most striking thing to me was that, uh, you know, as I was spinning these wools and and Deb was talking about 
the breeds and the histories of the breeds and and their sort of current fortunes. It was the breeds that were the most endangered, some some of the breeds that were most endangered that were the ones that I loved the most. And that really kind of brought me up short. I remember we sp- we spun some Santa Cruz in that class and uh and Deb told us the story of these sheep that had lived on the Santa Cruz Islands off the ca- coast of California until the islands were bought by the Nature Conservancy. And the Nature Conservancy um, felt that the sheep were uh, destroying the habitat of some of the other species that lived on those islands. And so, um, so they killed them. Uh, and there, there are, even to this day, there, you know, eight years later, there are very, very few Santa Cruz sheep. And Santa Cruz sheep have the most amazing wool. It is, it's really fine. Um, they're probably descended from merinos. And it's very, it's really, really crimpy, highly elastic. It's just not really like anything else. Um, I mean, it has Merino in it, but it also, um, it just is, it's just its own thing. And, um, and I heard that story and I immediately really wanted to try to figure out how to preserve some of these sheep. It was a it was a strangely kind of grandiose idea at the time, given how new I was to spinning and how little I knew really about wool or sheep breeds or anything. But um, I remember talking with Deb at lunch that day about how spinners could make an impact on the fates of these breeds of sheep by providing a market for their wool. Um, Wool prices worldwide are, you know, they're probably at an all-time low. And for most shepherds, if they're particularly, if they're really raising sheep for meat, um, it's not worth it to them to take care of the wool um, because they're just not going to get enough money to make it worthwhile. Um, So Deb and I were talking about, you know, the ways in which spinners, because we are willing to pay a good price for wool, might actually be able to affect the calculus of the spinner, of the shepherds um, in a way that would make these breeds more attractive. And I, and I think I can say now eight years later, that eight years later, after the Fleece and Fiber Source book, after Beth Smith's um, book on uh, spinning and breed study, that spinners have made a difference in the fates of these sheep. Um, But anyway, back in 2010... Um, I think it was at lunch with 
Deb that I kind of hatched this plan. So I had a, a different spinning podcast at the time. It was called Spin Doctor. There will be a link to it in the show notes. I still have it up and available. Um, and I decided that I wanted to run a challenge for the listeners of that podcast. It was called the Spin Doctor Rare Breeds Challenge. And it encouraged spinners to seek out the rarest wools they could find and spin them. So using the watch lists of the Rare Breed Survival Trust, which is the British organization that uh, tries to support uh, rare and native British sheep breeds and also other, other kinds of livestock, cattle and chickens and all that as well. Um, and the Livestock Conservancy, which is the kind of U.S. version of the Rare Breed Survival Trust, using their watch lists, which had different categories, you know, um, in sort of ascending level of urgency, depending on how many of these animals still exist, um, I decided that participants in the challenge would get points for each breed that they spun. And the more endangered the breed, the more points spinning it would be worth. So um, the, the rare breeds challenge was by far the most successful experiment I ever tried with Spin Doctor. It even got written up in spin-off, which was really fun. And Sheepspot is really an extension of that project. It's the result of my asking how I could make rare and endangered breeds even more widely accessible to spinners in both processed and unprocessed forms. And one answer to that question is the Sheepspot Fiber Club. It's just to come full circle to where we started. Um, I'm thinking about this now because I'm getting ready to uh, start the new club. Every shipment in the club is the wool of a different breed of sheep. And I try to repeat breeds as infrequently as possible. And to get a good range of different wool types, fine wools, medium, down, long wools, um, in every membership year. And if you're wondering about what those words mean go back to episode two and check it out. Um, and I knew that if I did a fiber club for Sheep Spot, I wanted it to not just be me sending people fiber, um, probably because that would just be too easy. Um, <clears throat> but being the big old wool geek that I am, I also wanted to send out lots of information and do some teaching around it. So um, every shipment gets detailed breed information and sampling notes. And I do lots of online spinning demos and Q&A sessions with the club members. And since all the shipments are top or roving, it's a great way for spinners to start a breed study without having to buy fleeces and process their own fiber. Because traditionally, when spinners do a breed study... They do it by buying fleeces. And it's a, you know, we've taught, I've talked a lot so far in this podcast about the kind of le learning curve around 
fiber preparation around buying fleeces, around washing fleeces. And it's, I think that's a big obstacle for people who, you know, might just want to experience spinning some stuff that isn't merino. And my hope is that if I can get them interested in other wools and kind of appreciating the characteristics and the, the strengths of other kinds of wool that, you know, they might proceed to do, um, you know, to go on to buying fleeces and doing their own prep. So basically what I mean, what I just said is uh, another way to say what I just said <laughs> is that I intend the fiber club as a gateway drug. So, um, if you think you might want to join us on this fibery adventure this year, head over to sheepspot.com slash fiber club and sign up to get on the mailing list. So you'll get a reminder when it opens. Memberships for next year are going on sale July 9th and they will remain on sale until the 14th or until it sells out. And I am keeping it um, rather smaller this year than in previous years. So, um, yeah. So, anyway, sheepspot.com slash fiber club. Go sign up and, um, you know, maybe you'll decide to join us. All right, guys, that's it for me this week. I will be back next week to talk about how rare sheep breeds become rare and why rare breeds matter anyway, and not just the spinners. There's a larger story here, and I cannot wait to tell it. Thank you so much for listening, friends. Have a wonderful woolly week, and go spin something. It'll make you feel better. All right, guys, take care. (music) 